Hello, and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie. I am joined by my co-host, Will. Hello. And Park. Hello. This week, we watched Annihilation, a movie about the Florida panhandle. Uh, so this was a Will <laughs> pick. Will, take it away. In Annihilation, uh, Natalie Portman must uh, venture into the lands between and burn <laughs> the Erd tree and claim her rightful place as Elden Lord. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sorry wait, i haven't this this is the wrong notes uh <laughs> natalie portman has to go into the shimmer to burn a lighthouse and uh save humanity or something <laughs> <laughs> we all have elden ring brain still for the third fourth episode in a row that we've talked about elden ring <laughs> i don't know but uh <laughs> it uh this movie, we were talking about it before we recorded, uh, has kind of a lot of parallels <laughs> with the plot of Elden Ring, which is hilarious. But, uh, this movie <laughs> did come out before Elden Ring, but not before production had started. So, you know, who can really say, did FromSoft watch Annihilation and <laughs> get inspired? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but it's... Uh, Annihilation is based off of a, a book series, which I, I've actually read. I read it after I uh, watched the movie. And uh, this, uh, as adaptations go, uh, I mean, they change some stuff around to make it better for a a film. And they only really cover the events of the first book. But they managed to get all the themes that, uh, the you know, especially the first book and even some of the later books have... Uh, like down pretty good because what's actually happening <laughs> there's no lands between there there is a uh sort of an exclusion zone though that it's called uh, they call it a shimmer in uh the movie and it looks kind of like uh you know and if you're like looking at a bubble that's stuck to something you know and it's kind of like you can see the soap refracting light and there's little like rainbows in it kind of floating around the it looks like a, an enormous one of those, like one of those that's like the size of, uh, I don't know, Metro Atlanta or something, right? Like an, an enormous bubble like that where uh, it uh, started one day and somewhere close to the Florida Panhandle and started to expand slowly but surely for the past three years. And uh, anyone that they send into it does not come out uh, ever at any point. Uh, until someone does at the start of this movie <laughs> it, it reminds me a lot of the uh the 1998 lost in space movie with the time bubble i don't know if y'all have ever seen that i don't know when these books came out if these books came out before the 1998 lost in space and they got inspired i don't know that and also movie. they don't they don't describe the shimmer quite like that gotcha. in the books either like they did they describe it loosely as like a shimmer, I guess, but they don't, it, it doesn't, it's not all like rainbow and bubbly, right? Yeah. I think they might not even like, I think the, the zone in the books might be like invisible, which is almost scarier, right? That like. Nobody the, knows where the boundary is. The, yeah. The scientists like test the boundary by throwing rabbits at it straight up. Like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that is horrifying. Yeah. But like, but like some of them, like they do manage to bring stuff back. Like they kind of in the books get more into like they are able to get some samples out. But uh, 
the mutations that happen it kind of like the way it works in the movie are more intense near the center and near near the edge you can't really even tell the difference uh so they don't get much information by just sort of prodding on the outside which is why they send people in yeah oscar isaac uh, makes it out uh presumably just through his uh incredible natural beauty uh he is allowed to survive and uh (laughs) makes it out to return to uh natalie portman who uh we they sort of drip feed this information to us but uh they were married they both met in the army and the natalie portman is a uh like a biology teacher and, and researcher in like a college right and uh meanwhile oscar isaac went into like special forces and stuff uh and he disappeared on a mission for about a year and then came back and uh, started acting really weird and bleeding into glasses of water. He came back with Havana syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh no. He was in Cuba too long. He was yeah. <laughs> Trying to overthrow Raul. Yeah, man, those the, those radio those Cuban radio waves really doing a number on his psyche <laughs> mm-hmm. been a while since oh, we've made man. a cia joke on the podcast mm-hmm. gotta hit my quota you know about <laughs> <laughs> uh, to say the chinese government's gonna stop sending you checks if you <laughs> 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 uh, anyway uh yeah he comes back all, all weird and he something sort of off and in what is honestly a really painful <laughs> scene to watch because uh, it's like they have this whole like uh reunited for after like a year of separation natalie portman's really like emotional but he's like not the same you know like it's not mm-hmm. he's not all there or it's not him uh and then he immediately goes into like cardiac arrest or something starts like spitting up blood and you know she they're in the ambulance and the ambulance gets uh inter uh, intercepted by a bunch of black vans that are full of men with guns who like take him away and her away too um and that's where we run and we, we get to the southern reach facility and we get to see the shimmer and uh, all the crazy sci-fi stuff starts happening uh, and it, it, it's sort of the the biggest uh plot convenience in the whole movie that uh they are planning another venture into this this zone and uh they need you know scientists they're trying to they've tried military guys are trying to send like a team of scientists in this time and oh wouldn't you know it natalie portman is a scientist with combat training and also has a interest in going in here because her husband just came out of it and is all weird now uh wowie (laughs) does that work nicely you know uh so she decides to go in and she goes in with a team of uh is it how many other women are there is it like four four others others, yeah it's it's a team of five yeah yeah and we have the leader who's a psychologist we have a like physicist who's like I think it's still like a college student uh we have like a medic and we have um who else do we have i mean we have natalie portman's the biologist and then one other i forget what what she does it doesn't really matter they don't really do their science that much uh they just sort of like 
have that as a reason for them going in, I mm-hmm. guess. And then uh, things almost immediately start to un- unravel, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but before we get too much more uh, into just like plot stuff, uh, w- what are y'all's first reactions? Uh, Park, Park, had you seen this before? I know yeah. it was Charlie's first time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had seen this before. Um, I think I watched it. I think it was one of the last films I watched at cinema club because it came out in February of 2018 and I graduated in May of that year. So yeah, I think it was one of the last films that I actually got to see at cinema club before I graduated. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's a visually very cool film and I'm a big buff for all the, you know, exclusion zone shit. Um, I loved, I actually really liked the book roadside picnic, even though I found stalker to be incredibly boring. But I love the stalker video games, love all of that kind of stuff that's all based around these sort of like weird anomaly exclusion zones. Yeah, I figured even before I picked it, I was like, Park's probably seen this one. Yeah. It seems right up his alley. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a Park movie. Eldritch Horrors Beyond Our Comprehension. Dude, Got all the, the fungus, the, the fungus in the pool. That's like that one of the is... coolest scenes in this movie. It's I fucking horrifying. love it. <laughs> inspired design so Mm. so well done very good i so i hadn't seen it i'd been wanting to watch it basically since it came out and just never got around to it um you and everyone else no one saw this movie (laughs) which is unfortunate uh, because i this is the same director that did ex machina that's another good movie that i don't know if it made any money um yeah I hope he gets to make more stuff because I know he hasn't directed much. He's mostly a writer, right? Yeah. He, he's yeah. covered a few video games too. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. But he has directed two movies that I think are amazing. So. Yeah. This movie, I ex machina is incredible. This movie mostly rips. I have one pretty major criticism though, which we were kind of just getting into already, which is that I don't remember who the characters are or care about them at all. <laughs> they're not they're so yeah. flat and uninteresting uh i forgot all of their names except for dr ventress because that's the name of one of the bad guys in the clone wars cartoon uh, <laughs> yeah it's the the books are not much better at that yeah that's what i heard about what is happening to them uh-huh and then like everyone just sort of being super like untrusting of each other right Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, yeah and i think there's that everything that is psychological and cosmic horror about this movie incredible works so well but there's like a 20 minute stretch in the middle where it needed me to give a shit about these characters interacting with each other and i just did not and i i've feel like i sound very harsh here and i mean it kind of is but i thought i thought it was a really really good movie i will probably watch it again at some point my brain exploded but i th- i think that held it back from being like transcendent shit <laughs> yeah yeah I-, I sort of agree and it's it's kind of a shame because the few i think it's all act. I think it's all acted really well for what they give them, you know, like, uh, and a lot of the character interactions that we do get 
I think are really well done. There's just like almost not enough of them. This is we run into yet another movie where I'm like, I wouldn't have minded maybe a little more time with these characters to like give us some more. And I know you can't really flesh out like all of them, but because uh, but there are some little moments that make me think that the movie could have been like improved yeah. by letting us get to know them a little more, particularly the uh, what's her name, the lady from uh, Sorry to Bother You. Tessa Thompson. Uh, Tessa Thompson's. Josie uh, Raddick. Josie Raddick, yes. Yeah, spoilers for this four-year-old movie. Uh, when when she decides to stay in the mm-hmm. uh, the zone and die and turn yep. into a plant, basically. Uh, I thought that was a really beautiful scene, really well done, and like managed to... I feel like you kind of learned a lot about her and learned a lot about... like the zone and like the themes of the movie all at the same time you know and it was almost like that character's like thesis about like what's going on you know and i thought it was delivered really well Mm. uh and we could have used maybe a little more of stuff like that you know yeah it would have had a lot more punch if i just i had any investment in the character Mm yeah just seeing that scene it's like man if we had just gotten like a little more time <laughs> yeah with her i did I, I to talk about that scene just a little bit like i loved the way that they did it where you know if you're doing some kind of like body horror transforming into a pile of flowers kind of thing but you want it to be beautiful like they did it, it they do it perfectly where you just kind of you see like her arm where the leaves are starting to like come out of her veins and then you don't see it again. Then like as she's walking away, you can like catch a glimpse of the other side of her arm as like there's more leaves now. Then you catch another glimpse of her with like even more stuff growing out of her and then you round the corner and there's like six different people just made of flowers standing there. Yeah. And so like you get this horrifying beauty but it's done in like the best way possible yeah i and i think that that scene clued me in i hadn't thought about it the whole movie uh even like the first this is my second time watching it you know i hadn't thought about it till that scene that all the changes that happen to uh the characters when they're in there from what we can tell are entirely painless Uh, except for the jaw that's not really a change, I guess. That's a bear. That's getting ripped apart by a <laughs> Yeah, that's bear. getting murdered by a bear. But I'm talking about the stuff that's, like, inside them. Even the stuff that's, like, really gross and horrifying looking, yeah. right? The, like, stuff, like, my insides are moving. Like, it feels weird to them, but I they never once describe it as painful in the film. True. Uh, like, it's... And I, I didn't get clued into that until she was, you know, slowly turning into a plant, uh... And, and also the fact that it seemed to be the like her will to become that influenced what happened to her too, which adds sort of another layer to like what is going on there, you know? Um, but, oh yeah, another scene that made me want, that I thought was good, made me want just like a little more is when uh, Gina Rodriguez's character, Anya, uh, is talking to Natalie Portman. Uh, and they're trying to decide, basically, uh, Anya wants to go back, right? Like, they just had one of their uh, comrades die, and she's like, we are getting out of here. She's kind of starting to freak out, right? Uh, 
and Natalie Portman is like trying to convince her to uh, go to the lighthouse to then like, oh, saying, oh, we can like our compasses don't work. We don't know how to get out of here unless we follow the coast that will logically take us out. Right. That'll give us some bearing in for our direction. Uh, and like the uh, I, th I think it's in this scene where like her she starts off being like really angry and like threatening at like towards her and then her face just like slowly turns towards this almost like pleading like please just like like y you can tell she's like scared shitless right and this is like acting out and like trying to mm -hmm. like yeah I, I, I just thought it was like a really well acted scene where like you can read so many emotions on her face like going from like like anger to like fear to like almost like hoping like natalie portman give me an answer please. you know like <laughs> i'm trusting you here like i hope i really hope you're right you know like mm. and we we don't really get that much more of her character again until she uh freaks out again later <laughs> yeah but no i agree that like having more fleshed out characters would be nice but like the reason that i do enjoy this movie is just the bizarre beauty of it all um mm -hmm. you know whether it's the flower people or you know like i already said like the the like fungal corpse on the wall of the pool is unbelievably gorgeous in the most horrifying yeah. way possible. It's such it's a cool visual so to look disgusting. at. So <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, they... I guess, do, do we want to talk about what the zone is, like, kind of how it works? Or the, do we like, want to talk about... The refracting the, the, thing? The stomach swimming scene. <laughs> uh, maybe we could talk about how the zone works to then, in some level, explain why people change. Because, yeah, the whole thing is that it refracts... DNA refracts everything. <laughs> yeah. So like if you want to know so so things like when they first go in they're just like disoriented and they start like losing time almost immediately, right? Like they uh they instantly like lose sight of where they are and how long they've been there. And then as they go deeper and deeper in, they start noticing like the plant life is like uh there's like different kinds of flowers growing from the same vine. Uh, they find an alligator that's like albino and has like rows of teeth, like a shark almost. Uh, and like the, the further they go in, the more uh, weird nature gets basically like, you know, they, everything almost seems like grafted together. Oh God, it's an Elden Ring <laughs> reference again. No, but uh, <laughs> it, uh, and uh, eventually uh, they figure out uh, at least like a, a loose explanation of going on uh, like Josie uh, lets everyone know and she says okay my theory is that this uh, zone refracts not just light it refracts your uh, DNA itself or it refracts like your genes and uh has a way of making like the laws that around like how cells work sort of uh break down and for example like you know 
your cells dividing in your hand right now, thankfully, cannot turn into a plant. <laughs> <laughs> but in you know, in this world, those those laws are sort of uh, broken down, right? Uh, which leads to you know, they, they see like deer with antlers that are that have like flowers blooming from them, right? Uh, and it it really does it, it vary. The results of this vary between like nightmare horror world and like genuinely beautiful uh scenes you know uh without any sort of like rhyme or reason and they the movie does a great job of sort of sort of portraying this as like uh goalless and like heartless you know like there's no higher thinking necessarily to what's going on it is just happening Mm -hmm. And it looks cool. And it also gives us <laughs> one of, uh, well, two of some of the most horrifying scenes uh, I've seen <laughs> in a sci-fi movie. Uh, the first one being uh, when they, they find a tape of one of the previous uh, like missions, I guess. And it's the, the tape, mission that Kane was on, isn't it? It is, yeah. Kane's in the video, um, which the odds of it. In the books, they talk about how there have been uh, like probably like like there's been like a ton of missions so the odds of this happening are kind of low but um they find a, a recording that kane and uh the other men that he was with made and uh you see them uh in like an olympic swimming pool and one guy is like tied to a chair and uh he's like he's kind of like egging kane on uh with a knife and uh you know they restrain him and then Kane begins to cut open his stomach excruciatingly slowly and then peels the skin back to reveal uh what looks like his uh intestines or some sort of worm creature uh squirming inside of the still living man's guts my uh, dude is full of eels <laughs> he's full of eels oh what's uh, that movie called a cure for wellness or something Ugh. I don't know what that movie is, and now I'm scared to check. It involves <laughs> eels and stomachs, and uh, yeah, no. No, no. No, thank uh, you. Anyway, it's awful, and all of the... <laughs> everyone watching the tape is like, holy shit. It's kind of fun. We get a lot of different reactions to it, right? You know, so all, all the way up to one character just denying outright that yeah. they It's a trick of the light. that didn't happen i'm a paramedic that's a trick of the light i can't guarantee i wouldn't do the same thing if i saw that in real life you know Mm -hmm. but uh it's disgusting and awful and then Mm -hmm. uh not long after that we see the aftermath that park described where the man who was uh cut open uh just sort of bloomed into the wall (laughs) Yeah, it's like this fungal growth going across the wall of the pool and his torso is like, so his legs are still sitting in the chair, but his torso is like 10 feet higher on the wall. Like whatever grew out of his stomach just pushed him apart. Yeah, and it's like, it's a bunch of different kinds of fungus. You know, Mm -hmm. like the colors are like incredibly rich but like in a way where you know how like in nature when you see something that colorful it's like kind of threatening you know it's sort of like threatening in nature (laughs) yeah right like it's it's interesting and gross and 
Not really like anything I've, I've seen in a movie, at least not in a long time. Like I said, it's one of the most beautiful, like, single shots I've seen in a film, but also one of the most horrifying at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You know what it reminded me of was The Last of Us Fungus, but uh, colorful. The, yes. Yeah. It's all... The design is very similar to The Last of Us stuff, which is interesting. A lot of this... A lot of the visuals that they chose in this movie are not described in the books. You know, it's uh, the the changes that happen in the books are actually a lot more subtle for the most part uh, until like later on they start finding some like really out there stuff. But uh, they a, a lot of the visuals in this movie were sort of up to interpretation by the directors and cinematographers and it uh they nailed it in my opinion i, I think it was like really adapting it to the screen at, like reading through it i was like man this was really hard <laughs> to adapt and they did a great job i think um if anything i think the movie might be a little like probably like more charming and like better for like mass audiences you know <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so a uh, fun fact about you think it's better for mass audiences. Uh, the financer at Paramount thought the exact opposite at mm. its first test screening. Um, David Ellison, the financer, thought the film was too intellectual and too complicated and demanded that they change it to appeal to a wider audience. They wanted to make he wanted them to make Natalie Portman's character more sympathetic and wanted him to change the ending, but that was never revealed how. But the producer and uh, the director both pushed back and prevented any of those changes from happening. But like, I'm really curious Thank what God. he wanted them to change the ending to be. Yeah, that's interesting because the ending is already totally different. Yeah, but like, they somehow managed to keep like roughly the same message. But uh, spoilers now for the. But y'all care, care if I spoil the books? No, and the movie. No. Uh, so at, at the end of book one, uh, it, well, okay, at the end of this movie, Natalie Portman, like, you know, destroys the supposed like source of a lot of this, right? And the shimmer goes away when she uh, burns the source of it with a like phosphorus grenade, right? Uh, in the books, uh, she. Crawl, she goes down a big hole and gives up and that is the end <laughs> she nice. decides to stay there <laughs> um i still think the books are good but like you know they they mm-hmm. change the ending to be more cinematic like a lot and but them both having the uh the zone as like a part of them at the end to me keeps it sort of a similar message, right? Of like, it's not over, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, do do we want to talk about the end a little bit then if we're talking about the ending? Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's definitely, isn't the whole thing that Kane is, that's his doppelganger who survived, yeah, that's, not that's him? that's not really Kane. Or that's not the original Kane. Yeah. Um, but also, one thing I noticed, and I actually rewound and watched this over and over again because I couldn't tell if it's, intentional or if it's just like bad quality stream i was watching or what it was but when kane or when uh yeah oscar isaac kane and natalie portman are hugging 
Do Natalie Portman's eyes turn silver? Yeah, they change okay. color. Yeah, bo- both of their eyes are changing colors. Yeah. Um, it's because they... And I feel like it makes sense. It's weird to me that they even did the doppelganger thing because there's... I don't think they... They might have done... I get the books and the movies mixed up a lot. Uh, but I don't remember the... Do- like the meeting your own silvery doppelganger thing. I don't think that really happens. And uh, they like all the people who go into it are basically instantly infected with this. Right. So it kind of didn't matter if her or the doppelganger left because they both had this in them already. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both not really her anymore. Yeah, yeah, they describe it in the books as a brightness. They use that all the time. That like they feel a brightness inside of them. That's <laughs> the only way that like the main character can describe it. Um, Interesting. But yeah, the uh, the end. I I love the the visuals of the end. I I think it's really great. Incredible. Uh, that basically she gets to the lighthouse and there's like a, some sort of bone ritual outside that they don't really get too far into. <laughs> uh, and then uh, she finds the uh, uh, psychologist who's, who's leading the team there and she made it and she says some uh, weird shit and then she, uh, a beam of, big beam of light comes out of her head <laughs> and she starts to uh, disassemble, get an, get annihilated and some would say uh into her base parts and then mm-hmm. turns into this big glowy ball and uh pulls a drop of blood out of natalie portman's head oh sorry not to interrupt this exciting scene but before that she sees she watches a video of her husband uh self-immolating uh, after she finds his, his body and uh he's talking to someone in the video and uh after he's uh, done burning to death uh, the person he was talking to goes to like turn off the video and he looks into the camera and it is uh, him again just just his doppelganger with slick back hair <laughs> because he's evil <laughs> but anyway so that's creepy that there's two Oscar Isaacs um, anyway back to the uh, blood coming out of Natalie Portman's face uh, the big glowing mass of material uh, pulls the blood from her head and then morphs into the shape of a silvery person uh, and then it begins to mimic whatever Natalie Portman is doing and uh, as soon as Natalie Portman tries to fight it, it fights back then it starts to copy literally every move like marrying it and then slowly begins to turn into Natalie Portman but not before she burns it to death with another big phosphorus grenade right uh, Yay, white that phosphorus. has a chain reaction that burns all of the like there's some weird like crystalline structures in it minor that also remind trees. me of elden ring yeah <laughs> <laughs> all the minor urn trees burning yeah and then <laughs> uh anyway and and that like uh turns off the, the shimmer it's gone right um uh, and they, I guess they recover Natalie Portman, but ooh, she's changed, and the other Oscar Isaac's still there. And she doesn't tell me one. I don't think about the. Maybe she does. I don't know. Uh, 
if she like tell because she's being like interviewed that's sort of the setup for the movie right yeah i don't know if she tells people about the uh doppelganger thing but that whole final sequence is mesmerizing <laughs> the like super trippy fractal orb that swallows her blood to make the doppelganger and everything that was crazy the the, the glass trees on the beach look nuts the uh the inside of the lighthouse is the most i i'm sorry we keep talking about this but it's the most dark souls thing i've ever seen in my life that aesthetic of like that burnt cross-legged corpse that is where you find a smithing stone <laughs> and then there's a <laughs> hole down to yeah. it looks like something horrible but there's a nice npc at the bottom that wants you to join their cult but their cult is the cult of making a doppelganger that kills you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the mimic tier but and then like the the really heavy synths every time that the doppelganger moves is oh it's great it makes it super creepy like it would be such a genuinely terrifying experience mm-hmm. to go through like I don't, they managed to like communicate the horror of this movie like really well i think uh and like put you in Natalie Portman's shoes, you know. Especially for it being a rather low budget film, the amount of like really well done visual effects is yeah. incredible. I mean, I think this was like a forty or fifty million dollar budget film. Yeah, and there's definitely. I mean, there's a lot of green screen happening here for yeah. sure. Uh, but overall, I, I like the way it was done. You know, it, the world that they made. Uh, looked beautiful you know it it was really well done yeah Mm -hmm. i thought Uh, of all the movies we've watched on the show that you could classify as horror and that would be basically every horror movie i've ever watched because i'm a baby i thought this was the scariest movie we've watched oh oh, yeah this movie is terrifying the scariest scene that fucking bear man (laughs) holy shit (laughs) all right so the bear scene. <laughs> uh, so earlier in the film, the first person to die uh, is killed by like a, a bear. That's really all you know. It it, it, it looks kind of like a bear, but it's dark and you don't really get a good view of it, right? Uh, and then later on in the film, uh, one of the characters is uh, freaking out and uh, she doesn't trust the, the rest of the people there and you know her insides are moving and uh, she's tied everyone up and is pointing a, a gun or a knife at him. And it's like, I don't know who to trust anymore. And is about to, I think, cut Natalie Portman open. Yeah. Cause she's like, if you, uh, like, if I let you go, you're just going to tie me to a chair and cut my stomach open. Cause they had just watched the video of that happening. Yeah. And she's figured out now that it was her husband in the video. Yeah. Cause she like hid that from them. Cause she didn't want to make things complicated. Uh, and then things got super complicated when they found <laughs> out. Uh, so, but, you know, a- a- as this happens, uh, they hear a, uh, a scream outside, uh, help me. And it sounds just like the woman who they thought was killed by the bear. And we actually saw Natalie Portman found her with like her neck gouged out. Right. Uh, so then, uh, the woman who's holding everyone hostage, uh, picks up a rifle and like runs outside immediately to go help. Uh, and then you hear a gunshot and then silence. 
uh, and then everyone else is still tied up. And then uh, a bear with a skull head uh, walks into the, or sort of plods into the cabin that they're in, and it opens its mouth, and it screams like a human. Uh, Specifically, like the human that it killed near the beginning of the film. (laughs) It's so like, and it's not just a skull head. It's like a head that has started rotting away from the very tip of the snout. And so there's just like rotten flesh kind of going down the sides of it. I mean, it's so disgusting and so cool. You can almost smell it. It's terrible. Uh, And yeah, it, it uh, screams like a man or a woman in this case. Uh, It just says like, help me or whatever. And, uh, there's, there's nothing the characters can do but just sort of sit tied up, you know, uh, and uh, they just sort of, I mean, I, they almost have to guess that it reacts to, like, movement and sound, you know, because, like, what else are they going to do? Uh, they just sit there, and uh, luckily they're right that the, the bear sort of reacts. It, it, either, either it doesn't have good eyesight or... Its eyes might have rotted away. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. Its motivations are super unclear in the movie. And that's something that I picked up on this on the rewatch that it isn't killing for food, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the first woman who's killed, she isn't like eaten. She has her throat ripped out and then she is left like somewhere, you know. Uh, and same with like it, it, like any of the characters, it doesn't seem to be trying to eat them it's just there to kill uh which is uh horrifying but anyway they end up dealing with the bear but it's just a really it's a really horrible scene <laughs> they, they deal with the bear but not before it literally rips the girl who was going crazy's jaw off yeah that's that probably the goriest disgusting. part of the movie uh, really tough yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah this like... movie is more violent than you'd think it's uh, for sure. Oh, so I'm looking at a picture of the bear right now. And now that I'm able to look at it on a still screen that I'm not like freaking out about. So one side of its face is completely rotted away. It doesn't have an eye. Then on the side that it has one eye, there is a human skull that is also like grafted to its skull and they share an eye socket with that eye. Oh, that's deeply And its unpleasant. jaw is like connected to the bear's jaw. <laughs> and and I couldn't help but notice that it's its whole thing is being able to imitate speech and it always rips out the neck, yep. you know, the vocal cords of whoever it kills uh, uh, i don't know if that's related in any way you know probably uh, but yeah that's probably. horrifying yeah uh so yeah the, the horror in this movie spot on just great uh they could have done the whole movie like this but they didn't and i think that actually plays into the themes of the movie really really well that uh, it isn't trying to sell what is happening in this zone as like a strictly like evil or like negative thing, you know. Uh, it, as Park said, it is equally e- equal parts like horrifying and beautiful, right? Uh, and we have that whole monologue of one of the characters basically saying like, "I'm choosing to accept this," you know, like I. 
if I'm going to die here, I want it to be like on my own terms. I want to turn into something beautiful instead of like my last moments being <laughs> gored by a skull bear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's, I, I think, uh, sort of a big theme of this movie. And it, it comes up a little more in the books that like, uh, what's happening is like a next almost like a next stage in evolution uh, that may or may not include humans but it isn't doing it to be scary it isn't doing it to kill uh, it creates much like nature does now it creates truly horrifying things and it creates truly beautiful things you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, without any sort of caring or, or, or plan you know it's a uh, it can almost be like seen as like just like a next step, you know, that uh, humans aren't capable of really even slowing down or interacting with <laughs> beyond getting on board, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which can be also be really, really scary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, uh, I don't know. It's, I think any good sci fi movie uh, sort of forces you into the same conversation that like uh you would have with a bunch of stoners in a dorm room somewhere uh, <laughs> and this movie does that really well it it is kind of that like rip the blunt and aren't we all just still smashing together man yeah. but like horrifying <laughs> yes. they're right though those some... stoners they know something yeah and there's a few things, there's one thing specifically that I kind of uh, missed from the books and that there's a, uh, there's like a inverse of the lighthouse where it's like a spiral going down. They, they end up in the books, they actually end up going up to the top of the lighthouse too. And there's a bunch of stuff, but they go down first into this like spiral staircase where there's a, some sort of moss homunculus thing kind of just oozing around down the stairs Hmm. and it has a a limb of some sort on the wall and it is leaving behind a uh, a sort of living writing that is in english uh which is (laughs) terrifying you know like it (laughs) like the simple fact that like it's writing in in English, it's like almost like poetry that it's leaving behind is like mm-hmm. scarier than any other like any alien writing that there could be, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't spoil like what the thing is. You do find out, but uh, it's. I think that adds like that inclusion. Also, it, it gets you thinking, right? It's uh, it has a little more to do with the like uh, how much like the human mind and like thoughts can be incorporated into what's going on that we kind of start to see when that lady turns into a plant. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, what's very interesting that I'm just not, I'm I'm, I completely forgot this movie came out. I wanted to watch it and I never did. So I'm a big Lovecraft fan. I'm a big, let me, let me take that back. I'm a big Lovecraftian literature fan. Lovecraft was a racist piece of shit. Um, but he wrote some great horror content. 
So one of his more famous short stories was uh, Color Out of Space. Wasn't that? Yeah, it was a Lovecraft piece. Yeah. yeah, it was a 1920s Lovecraft piece. Turns out they made the Color Out of Space movie pretty much at the same time they were making this movie. And Color Out of Space is literally the Annihilation story. Like, it's the Annihilation story before Annihilation. It's about a meteorite mm-hmm. falling, creating this, like, weird mutant extraterrestrial area. Um, A little bit less of, like, nature itself changing, more just, like, horrifying nightmares beyond your comprehension coming out of the void and mutating. Um, But, yeah, both of those movies came out Almost at the exact same time, I think. Or at least production did. I think Color Out of Space came out much later. I forgot they made a movie about that. I'm beginning to watch it. Nick Cage is the lead. Hell yeah. And it looks very colorful, similar to uh, what's what's the guy movie, the the movie that we watched. Mandy? Yeah, Mandy. We watched his other movie that uh, the Beyond the Black Rainbow. Beyond the Black yeah. Rainbow. Yeah. yeah, Panos Cosmatos. I'm gonna have us watch Mandy eventually. I love that movie. I want. I kind of want to watch Beyond the Black Rainbow again now that I have been bombarded cultured. with. Uh, yeah, <laughs> cultured. Yeah. I'm not a Neanderthal anymore. Yeah, I I feel like I would appreciate it more now i was thinking the like the doppelganger since first thing i thought of was that movie yeah um a lot of synth in that movie yeah i i think it does it did those parts of itself really well yeah it's uh i wouldn't call this movie like a totally new idea i think it's just they executed on what's like an older idea you know like lovecraftian sort of ideas uh like super well and it's rare that it was wasn't the highest budget movie but man did it feel more expensive than i thought it would you know like yeah. it I, i'm surprised it got as much funding as it they got they got natalie portman and oscar isaac in this you know like mm-hmm. it's not like us and i know oscar isaac wasn't i think this is before like you know like star wars no he really, was he was no, filming or, episode eight at the exact same time at the studio next door to this. He was going back and forth between the studios filming some, sometimes filming on the same day at both locations. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea. (laughs) Okay. So you know, they got 2015 or 2017. They got Oscar Isaac in this to do nothing (laughs) to be in like (laughs) four scenes. Was Ex Machina before or after Star Wars? Ex Machina was 20... Fifteen? That sounds right to me. I don't know though. Um, was Natalie Portman in Ex Machina too? No, I was just no, about... but it was it was Oscar Isaac and one of the other characters that are in the or one of the other actors actresses that's in this. Okay. Um, Ex Not Machina was twenty fourteen, and it's Oscar Isaac and uh, I don't I don't know who else was the. Somebody else played in this movie that's in Annihilation. I can't think right now. Oscar Isaac. I like him in basically everything I've seen him in. I thought he was like... This was Soya probably... Mizuno. That's who it was. Okay. Uh, this I feel like this is the worst thing I've seen him in. Not as a movie, but really? like his character. I... 
And I again, I think it's just the the characters are written super flat, and it's probably a product of how it's adapted. Um, I think it's kind of hard to judge like this being his worst like character he's played because he's only he has what like three lines. He doesn't do yeah. <laughs> a lot, and I think there's a f- there. I'm 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 not saying he was bad. He just wasn't as good as I expect him to be. I guess. Also, his southern accent is not great. That was part of it, maybe. But yeah, his monologue into the southern. camera before he fries himself, I was like, this is... This sounds like somebody doing a southern accent. It was <laughs> like, am I me anymore? Do you know what white phosphorus looks like? You might want to turn around. <laughs> it's weird, because I, I didn't remember him being southern for the rest of the movie. It was weird. That was the know, only like, part yeah. where he sounded like that. It was really weird. Maybe it was because he'd been in Florida too long. I don't know. Oh, I almost forgot. I almost almost forgot. There was like a whole subplot or like, because we at least get a lot of motivation for like Natalie Portman's character. Yeah. uh, That she had like part of her motivation for even going into this zone, because they talk about it, how all the people who go into it have basically some enormous problem in their life or like are kind of self-destructing when they come in here this is like a whole nother theme that we forgot to touch mm-hmm. on basically uh that sort of runs adjacent to a lot of the more sci-fi stuff that i think is actually pretty effectively delivered right it's like if you're looking to write a story like this and you have to explain why the hell anyone would go into a zone like this i think this is a pretty good way to do it but uh she during in the year that her husband was missing and uh at some point presumed killed uh and i i think even even before that she'd been yeah. having an affair uh with another professor uh and then she ended it like not long after he had left for the mission right uh so she feels some form of guilt towards like you know like you have an affair and then your husband goes off and dies <laughs> like the amount of guilt that she was feeling and like using she's like using this trip as a way to sort of either absolve herself of that guilt or to just sort of punish herself for doing it in the first place you know well, i think it's also like doesn't she also believe that like the reason he went on the suicide mission is because he like found out that she was he knew about it yeah i think she suspected it high you know yeah um and yeah really heavy stuff you know (laughs) like Mm. it uh there's some genuinely like really sad scenes just like like person personal stuff in this movie Mm -hmm. too that i think the characters they do give time to uh uh, i think it's like pretty well executed right yeah i i uh, think her character is sufficiently fleshed out and that is a depressing ass backstory where i'm like yeah, I, I get why you're self-destructing. Maybe yeah. go with, uh, I don't know, buying a bunch of booze instead of walking into the gene scramble zone. <laughs> but <laughs> gene actually, scramble. I don't know. The booze might be worse. That also that shit's pretty of, bad for you. <laughs> it's really bad for you. Yeah. Um, um, maybe try like crochet. <laughs> Join, join like well, that's not self-destructive. <laughs> that's... 
I know it's exactly it's not. <laughs> uh. See, that's what I'm saying. If you gotta self destruct, there's there's if gotta be a to. better route than uh, uh start playing League know, of th- Legends. <laughs> That'll th- this do could it. this could save the world. League of Legends isn't gonna save anything. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So something I'm just now learning, the writer for this film. Two things about him. One, he denies that this film has any inspiration coming from Stalker or Roadside Picnic, which I find very hard to believe. But he denies it. The book it. certainly did. So. Uh, two, he wrote a short animated piece called Halo the Mona Lisa that's like a Space Hulk horror animation of Space Marines going onto this abandoned ship called the Mona Lisa to find like nightmarish horrors that the flood have created. What the fuck? <laughs> Which is very similar to this. The flood is very similar. <laughs> very mushroomy. They love to scramble yeah. your genes. They come from space. Yeah. Yeah, I might have to check out that that short animation if I can find it. I wonder where it is. Need the Arbiter's friend to glass Florida real quick. I mean, we we could probably just glass Florida anyway. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, I'm not, I... hear, not hearing any objections. <laughs> <laughs> Also, so I just tried to uh, search Halo the Mona Lisa, and there's like a little uh, uh, semicolon in there, and Google Chrome is now trying to open Halo. I don't know why. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, yeah, because you're typing in like a Chrome command if you do that. Yep. Okay, we're talking about. It's not a short animation, it's an hour long. What would what what would what would you do if you had the eels in you? Would you let would you let Oscar Isaac cut you open? Would it hurt? And film it. It looks like it hurts that guy. Would you do? <laughs> would you let him post it on his YouTube channel to two hundred subscribers? I don't think so. You wouldn't. I don't know. I'll yeah. see where those eels are going. I mean, apparently ripping me apart. So I guess yeah, apparently growing into a fungus. Unless, like, did he just die there in the chair and the fungus came after? I mean, the way that his fucking jaw is splattered across it with the fungus sprouting out of it, I I got the impression there was an impact involved. Yeah. I don't know if he, like, literally exploded, but I think, I don't know, it felt to me like a growing into the wall thing. Just expanding apart. I might have to check out the books though. Um, like I, like yeah. I said, like I love this kind of yeah. shit. Roadside Picnic was great. Um, I actually I have Roadside Picnic. If y'all want to borrow it, it's short. It's good. Just um, tell me this, Will. Does the trilogy come to a satisfactory conclusion? Uh, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not helpful at all. <laughs> is there like, but like, is this the kind of series? Like, this feels like the kind of series where there's not going to be like a truly happy ending. I'm sure there's Um, not. I just, is there any kind of closure or answer? 
Not really, no. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm not going to read it. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't remember any closure, really. Uh, but the characters feel like there's closure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because they're getting turned into the goddamn zone. <laughs> I, uh... I think I talked about this book on another episode we did, but I was reading Ursula Le Guin's uh, Left Hand of Darkness, which is, I think, her most famous book. And there's, like, that whole series has some kind of, like, similar concepts of humanity evolved in some sort of way where it's like, well, this is, this happened and this is where we're at now. But that book specifically, it's like, people have become just totally androgynous and like on a cycle similar to having a period just develop one sex organ or the other for like a couple weeks and then you just take a couple weeks off from work and bone a lot and then you go back (laughs) to not having genitals uh incredible yeah cool stuff it's not really the book isn't really about that it's more about like how a society develops out of that your book and you don't make it about that (laughs) (laughs) i mean that gets talked about but it's i don't know it's just interesting because it's like it's like there's briefly a note of the the character the main uh narrative first person characters from a different planet and he's trying to figure out like what are the theories on how these people became this way because we know they were humans that were sent here on a colony ship you know 50,000 years ago or whatever yeah Yeah. and they're like maybe it was some kind of a gene modification or other dabbling or some force of the planet or just incredibly fast evolution in this extremely cold and harsh climate but it doesn't really matter anymore because this is where we're at (laughs) and this is how they work and I gotta figure out how to get them to join my uh space commune or whatever so it's kind of um, I don't know, a, a similar theme of like these forces of evolution are not good or bad they are and how do yeah. we how do we adapt to the world adapting around us it's like a more specific dune but there go to different planets yeah but like stuff like that is so cool that's why like the warhammer 40k lore is so interesting too it's just full of fucking nazis why why does everything cool have to have fucking nazis um ruin everything but goddamn uh, i'm also now so this writer who i was talking about who says these books are or these movies are not based on stalker or roadside picnic or anything have to do with that that's not the writer of the film that's jeff vandermeer the writer of the the books the author of the books Uh. is claiming he had no inspiration from any of that which again i find hard to believe but you know what if he had never read that book never seen stalker and wrote this that's incredible um impressive like that's awesome again shit like this is so cool <laughs> i kind of want to watch stalker again now i won't because it's too long but it's four hours long <laughs> uh, it's like two hours and 40 minutes long yeah we have we have literally watched longer films on this podcast true it's just that it's it's a long film with a lot of long quiet long shots of nothing 
with them just riding a train. Like, that's why I, I want to read these books because I found this movie interesting. I think I might find the books more interesting. Like, I found Stalker interesting. I found it a little boring, but I found it interesting. But Roadside Picnic gets also more into, like, how the zone actually affects people who go into it and why, like, touching certain things can, like, spell your doom. Like, at the very beginning of the book, it talks about some guy standing up into, like, a silver spider web touching his back. And then he has a heart attack 10 minutes later. Jeez. Um, like, I, I love I love these exclusion zone things. I can't get enough of them. They're so cool. Give me the zones. Give me all the zones. All, all of your horrors beyond human comprehension. Give them all to me. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Me too, I think. So, I think recommendations are pretty clear. Uh, unless you don't want to see the nasty stuff watch this movie <laughs> cool Just close your eyes but turn away from the screen watch it <laughs> <laughs> listen to this movie no that would still be horrifying it would still be kind of scary <laughs> oh, well. if you're not a baby watch this movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well that's the show then thanks for listening uh new episodes every thursday next week will be the power of the dog because the oscars are this weekend so i was like shit i better pick one of those uh yeah we're we're gonna start telling you what we're watching next week so you can watch ahead if you want to i cannot believe we haven't thought of this until now but yeah we're finally doing that power of the dog is on netflix for those of you who want to watch it now Yes, very easy to watch Oscar movie. Uh, it's got Benedict Cumberbatch and that other guy and Kirsten Dunst. All right, it'll be great. So that's the movie. <laughs> <guy>. Jesse Plumens. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know his name. I just, <laughs> it, he's just burned in my brain as and? Todd from Breaking Bad. Why does he look like Matt Damon a little bit? But it, he's a very he's a way better actor than Matt Damon. So. <laughs> <laughs> got him uh yes jesse plivins anyways that's what we'll be doing next week hope you can join us uh find us on all the stuff at jump cuts pod will at will post words on twitter and youtube at will johnston park on instagram at summer hour score brewing me on twitter at charlie b posts uh read my elden ring guides on rock paper shotgun.com okay <laughs> that's the show <laughs> see you next time <laughs> goodbye <laughs> Bye-bye.